0: Welcome to Life Source Church. Subscribe to our podcast on iTunes or SoundCloud. Today, you're going to hear a message from Pastor Walt that we hope encourages you. Well, I have some bad news for you today and some good news for you today. The bad news is that you are going to experience suffering in your life. You're going to. You may be right now. You already have, right? The good news is that you're going to experience suffering in your life. Say, wait a minute, right? That doesn't make sense. Well, what we want to see today is that while suffering isn't something we want or necessarily enjoy, that suffering, by God's intent, has good results in our lives. Probably the most important things I've ever learned in my life and the things that have most shaped my character have been connected with times of suffering. So, bad news, you're going to suffer. But the good news... They're going to suffer. And that's why this, uh, there's two parts of this sermon, this week and next week, but it's entitled The Unwanted Blessing. Suffering. So let's take our Bibles today and turn to Peter's first le- uh, letter. First Peter, chapter 1. Now Peter was writing to uh, believers who were spread out all over uh, Asia and what we now would consider Turkey and and up north of there and around, uh, people who are believers may or may not have had have had you know a, a enough of them to to meet like a church, but so he's writing to these people and trying to help them to understand what's going on in their lives, and and what we find in this letter is that one of the themes is suffering. How Christians go through it. 17 times Peter uses the word suffer or suffering. And then there are other terms, like we'll see today, that he's talking about suffering. So in five chapters, 17 times he says suffer, and then he refers to it more than that. Uh, so that is very much a theme of this letter. Well, Let's begin reading in verse number three. It says, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to his abundant mercy has begotten us again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Man, did he say a lot in that verse, right? Jesus is risen and he's risen because he died and which is God showing his mercy to us that we might have forgiveness of sins and that every day we have this living hope. It's a certain certainty about our future because Jesus rose from the dead. Verse 4, not only in this life what's going on, but to an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled and that does not fade away, reserved in heaven for you. Isn't that nice to know? That it's, it's reserved. It's, it's already there. It's being held for you. Uh, I don't know if you've ever uh, done what I've done on occasion. You know, I'm looking for something and maybe I find a place that sells it online and as I um, look for it, I find a place and I, I call it. And do you have any? You do you have this? And they say, yeah, we got one. Well, could you hold it for me, right? Because, and they would say, sure, we'll hold it for you. We'll set aside. So the idea was reserved for me. Okay, I don't have to worry. If you have received Christ as Savior, um, you have an eternal reward and blessings that are coming that's already reserved. It is already there for you, reserved in heaven for you. And then he describes us. He says, you who are kept by the power of God through faith for salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time. Kept by the power of God through faith as we believe that he enables us to believe. But kept by the power of God But for salvation to be revealed okay, in the future time. Well, I thought I was saved now. I thought I have salvation now, right? And I do, so let's just, just think about this. Here we, we have, this is a timeline going across the stage here. Over here, we have this point where if we have believed that, you know, we're a sinner in need of salvation and we believe that Jesus died for us and rose again and we placed our faith in him, if we've received him as Savior, there was a point in time when that happened, isn't it? Now, sometimes people know when that was very specifically. I do, It's April 4th, 1975. Hmm, close to 10 o'clock at night. Uh, but some people don't know that, but nonetheless, there was a point in time where all of a sudden you said, all right, I believe, I accept that. All right, so we, here we are at the present and we can look back to a time in our past when we, what, the, we, the terminology might mean we got saved. We received Jesus as our Savior. We received his salvation. But salvation is more than this point in time. And obviously, at this point in time, my destiny changes. I'm going to heaven instead of to hell, right? There's a sense in which, as he talks here, that salvation we will come to. And that's the final finishing of all. Anybody here find your life still impacted by things that aren't godly? You know, you see, our own sin, it's the sin of other people. Uh, It's even just the breakdown of creation and the problems that come from that we're still experiencing. So there is a sense in which salvation is going to happen in the future. It's going to be completed. It's all going to be done then. When we go to heaven to be with the Lord, it's all done. Well, what happens between here from the time we're saved and when we experience our salvation in eternity? What happens? Well, the Bible talks about us being saved. We're being saved. And what this is about is that Sin has impacted every one of us. It has done a number on us. It has caused all sorts of things that we're still trying to untangle in our lives. Okay, so we get saved. Sins get forgiven. Eternal destiny is set, but we're still messed up. You know, I, I can't see your hands, but how many of you say you're still messed up, right? I mean, I'm still dealing with that day in and day out. And so there's a sense in which God is saving me. He is changing me. He's he's freeing me more and more from uh, the sin that has so impacted my life. He's changing how I see things, how I look at things. He's changing what I love and the decisions I make about how I live. I am being saved. And and the theological word we use to describe this is this is a, a sanctifying process. It's sanctification that has happened. So I was saved on this date this point in time, I am in the process of being saved from the penalty of sin, and there's going to come a day and time when it is completed. Won't that be nice? And so that's what he's talking about here when he says that we have this reserved in heaven. And he says, verse 5, who are kept by the power of God. God is not letting go of us. From that point, when we receive Christ all the way through to eternity, he's not letting go of us. He's keeping us. Okay, And for this salvation, this, the final salvation, it's all going to be revealed. And at that point, you know, I think, so when we find ourselves here in the future like this, and this idea of being revealed, it isn't just revealed this way, I don't think. I think it's also revealed this way when we look back and we go, oh, right? And we learn, what was God doing? How was it working? And so it's all going to be revealed to us in the future. Probably something we will study together. I like that idea, okay? Uh, maybe I'll get a job of being a pupil, okay? Verses six and seven. This is where it talks about suffering. He says, in this you greatly rejoice. All this stuff we just read, right? We greatly rejoice. In this you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while, if need be, you have been grieved by various trials. He doesn't use the word suffering in our passage here today, but does anyone doubt that being grieved by various trials is anything else other than suffering? It is suffering, okay? So he says, in this you greatly rejoice, all this stuff we talked about, though now for a little while, if need be, you have been grieved by various trials, that the genuineness of your faith, being much more precious than gold that perishes, though it is tested by fire, may be found to praise, honor, and glory at the revelation of Jesus Christ, whom having not seen you love, though now you do not see him yet believing, you rejoice with joy inexpressible and full of glory. All right, so look at this again here, verse 8. Whom having not seen you love. Do you feel that way? Is that something that you think about? you You know, as I get... Uh, you know, longer and longer in my relationship with the Lord and go through more and more. And and after all these years, see, 1935, how many years have I been saved? 45? 45 years. I've been saved longer than a lot of you who are watching have been alive. And, you know, tremendous changes in my life. Tremendous amount of progress. But after 45 years, every now and then I I think something, I say something, I do something that I go, I can't believe I'm still doing that, right? Or that I have this thing that's still going on. And so, um, but what I'm also experiencing is that the Lord, the Holy Spirit, just affirms to me, you know, his mercy, his forgiveness, his grace, And I love him for that, right? I I love him, I I haven't seen him, I've seen him in the word, but I love him for what he has done and is doing in my life, yet believing you rejoice with joy inexpressible, full of glory. Uh, When hardships come in in our lives, we don't always immediately think joyful thoughts, do we? (laughs) But when we can step back and look at it uh, more carefully, joy comes, and it's hard to express it. You know, if you try to express to someone the joy that you found, you know, uh, especially in the middle of really, really difficult times, how do you express it? Well, it's hard to put into words. There's something there, and it's God, and it's, it's the joy that he gives us. Joy, happiness can come and go. We know that, and I like to be happy, but happiness comes and goes, But joy endures deep down inside. And then verse 9, he says, receiving the end of your faith, the salvation of your souls. So let's go back through here. Not the whole passage, but verses 6 and 7 and then verse 9 a little bit. And focus in on this idea of suffering. You know, what is suffering? Suffering is... uh, when you have to endure something that's painful. And uh, it can be different kinds of pain, but enduring something that's unpleasant, enduring things that you never would have wanted to. Instead of saying enduring, sometimes we might say experiencing. But I think we all kind of got an idea of what it means to suffering, right? Okay, we we, we know, uh, we certainly know it when we're experiencing it whether we can describe it to somebody else or not. And so let's look at suffering. There are six truths from this passage about suffering that we wanna look at today. The first two of them are kind of on the negative side, but the the last four are on the positive side, okay? So let's just jump right in. Uh, First truth about suffering is that it is unpleasant and painful. Duh! (laughs) Right? It is unpleasant and painful. and this idea of the struggle and suffering, it's, sometimes it's physical stuff. You know, you can suffer physically, you know, health issues or accident, you can suffer physically. But probably the greater suffering over time is the soul suffering. It's, it's our emotions, it's how our struggles to th- see and understand and, and feelings of rejection and you know all that turmoil that goes on inside, and sometimes that's connected to something physical, and other times it isn't. Um, but it's always unpleasant. And I got to tell you that uh, even though today we're going to see that suffering is a blessing from God, I just have to be real honest and tell you that if you ask me, hey, would you like some more suffering? I'm probably going to say, mm, no thanks. Now, maybe, maybe, if, you know, if somebody helps me think and look, now here's what God wants you to do in your life, okay, all right, all right. But generally speaking, I try to avoid suffering, okay? And do you? You try to avoid suffering for the most part, right? Yeah. Which is not a problem unless we disobey God to, to avoid suffering. But anyway, so it is unpleasant and painful. The second uh, truth about suffering is that it comes in many forms. Suffering comes in many forms. I already talked about physical suffering, soul suffering. But physical suffering can come from, like I said, from health issues. Um, sometimes there's just ongoing pain that people have, right? And that just wears and wears and wears and wears on a person, you know, it just doesn't go away. It never lets up. Um, but again, it's the soul thing, I think, because it's, it's when we find ourselves hurting physically, our mind starts to think things like, well, why is this happening? What have I done? We try to figure out why there some purpose in it. And when we, we've some let's just be honest. As human beings, our understanding is limited. We look sometimes, we don't see the purpose, do we? We just don't see the purpose. And so that causes some anguish. Uh, sometimes suffering is relational. We find ourselves in relationships, you know, that just... We suffer uh, suffering sometimes we're suffering because of our own decisions. Anybody besides me ever suffered because of your own decisions yeah uh, we suffer for that, but that doesn't change the fact that we're suffering right so we suffer for that. We can have suffering because of financial concerns, health concerns, relational concerns, our work, our plans in life and that get frustrated or, or However, suffering shows up in many, many ways. And what I want to encourage you today, is: sometimes I've thought this myself, but I've definitely heard other people say it. You know, you talk to them and try to gauge because you know that they're hurting. And they say, well, you know, compared to what everybody, all these other people experience, my pain doesn't, it doesn't really matter. Well, so wait a minute. No. If you're suffering, you're suffering. Your pain is your pain. Okay. And yes, it might be true that somebody else is suffering much longer and much bigger things, but the suffering is still real for you. Don't, don't deny it. Embrace it in a sense. Yes, I am suffering. Now, don't become a whiner either, right? We don't want to be that kind of thing. Oh, everything's you know, terrible. We don't want to become negative people. But when we're genuinely hurting, in fact, that, I just got to think in, in the body of Christ how important that is that we have some relationships where if somebody asks us, how are you doing? There's at least somebody who would ask that that we could say, you know what, I'm hurting. And maybe you can explain why, or maybe you can't put it in words. But I'm hurting, and then the body of Christ, can we can care for one another, right? Encourage and help one another. But anyway, so suffering comes in all kinds of ways and forms. And whatever it is you're suffering, you are suffering. Okay? All right. Now we're going to turn a little bit more to the positive side of these truths about suffering. Uh, and the third one is this. It is limited to this life. Let's take a look here. We already saw here in verse number six, you know, grieve. It's, it's, it's unpainful. Various trials, lots of ways. But look what it says in the middle of the verse. In this you greatly rejoice, though now, what's the words? For a little while, for a little while, <laughs> what does that mean, I don't know about you, you know. if I have a headache and it goes on more than two hours, we've passed a little while, <laughs> that's the way it seems to me at the moment, and so our, our view of time is kind of, it, it isn't what it needs to be. But sometimes we suffer for days and days and weeks and months, right? But however long you suffer, here's the deal. It's limited to this life. So that might not sound encouraging to you, but here you are suffering, and whatever happens between here and the end of your life, you may suffer all this time, but then it's over. For how long? Forever. And, and we try to envision this, right? We try to envision this. If, if we could, you know, think of, you know, eternity past goes back there someplace. How, how that even works with God, I don't know. But there's eternity past, and then there's eternity future. And our lives are like this, right? Compared to all of eternity. It really is. And so we suffer. And right now it feels to us like, whoa, this is big. But in reality, compared to all eternity, this is going to be nothing. It's gonna be a vapor that appeared for a little time. That doesn't mean it isn't important. It's hugely important. And what we do during this time really, really matters. But take heart. And it really is, let me say this. When we become Christians, that time when we receive Christ as Savior, whether we're children or full-grown adults, We already do not think right. (laughs) We don't think the way the Bible tells us things actually are. We have other ways that we think. And and so this is why we would think that, wait, I've got to suffer for the rest of my life. Hey, that's not fair. This isn't right. And we get all upset and maybe we get depressed and we want to give up and all that kind of stuff. We need to see things the way God says they are. And that's that this life, even though it feels kind of long as a human being, is just like this for eternity. And so if we put up with suffering for the rest of our lives, first of all, God is going to use it in our lives. And when we get in eternity, we will have benefited from this unwanted blessing. We will benefit forever from it. That sound like a fair trade-off? When oh, you're in the middle of suffering, sometimes it's hard to see that is a fair trade off, but it is. It'd be like I said, hey, if you give me a dollar today, you know what? In 10 years, I'm going to give you $100 million back. And it was really true. Any takers? If it was really true, you knew it was true. Well, see, that's what our suffering is, right? It's, it's we're giving up a little, but we're going to gain so much. All right. So it is limited to this life. And then he says this these words. And I, I, I think he's, he's not fudging. I don't want to say that about the Bible. But just, he's softening things here a little bit, I think, Peter. In verse 6, he says, In this you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while. And he puts these words in. If need be. <laughs> if need be. Well, guess what? Need be. It needs to be. All right? And so here's the fourth truth about suffering. It is necessary for developing high quality faith. If you're gonna develop a high quality faith, the kind of faith that God wants you to have, suffering is required. (laughs) But it is true. Now, the first thing we say, well, okay, I'll just forgo the high quality faith then, right? (laughs) I I don't need that. But no, that's once again, we have to say, wait a minute, what does God say about this? And, and what he says here, he says, if need be, for a little while that you, you've been grieved by various trusts, that the genuineness of your faith, see what he says here, being much more precious than gold that perishes. Much more precious than gold. So here's the a truth we need to understand about faith. Your faith is extremely precious. Your faith is extremely valuable. It's more valuable than anything else you could have in this life. Now, you say, well, how it? I didn't see that. I mean, it's a, yeah, it's important, all that kind of stuff. Well, if nothing else, Hebrews 11.6 tells us that without faith, it is impossible. That's a big word, isn't it? I don't mean lengthwise. I mean power. Without faith, it is impossible to please God. There's something about our faith that God values. Our faith is precious to God, and the quality of it matters to Him. And so as we, following Christ and seeking to to be conformed to Christ-likeness and seeing the world the way God does, we need to come to a point of saying, you know what, even if I'm not seeing how this all works, my faith is precious. My faith is extremely important. And it really does affect how you live your whole life, doesn't it? What you really believe and the decisions you make because of it. Faith is super important. It is very, very precious, more precious than gold. Okay, so let's, let's continue. Let's look back here again. In verse seven, that the genuineness of your faith, this, this genuineness, this word genuineness means that it has been tried and tested and purified, Okay? that the genuineness of your faith being much more precious than gold that perishes, though it is tested by fire. And of course, he's using an illustration, the idea of purifying of physical gold. Um, tried by fire. But I think, boy, does not that that's a good description of suffering in our lives, isn't it? It's painful. It's, our lives get heated up sometimes, don't they? <laughs> right? And, and all of this, you know, the suffering comes together. It's tried by fire. So uh, the next thing about your faith is this, that your faith is a work in process. It isn't all of a sudden, I believe, and you do believe, and God, you know, that's when he saves you, and he keeps you, and cha- begins changing you. But just like all the rest of this, our, our believing of God is impure. I mean, don't you find that to be true? That there are certain areas of your life where, let's go, God, and there are other areas of your life you go, uh, let's don't go, <laughs> because our faith is impure. There, there are things, um, there are things that we would say, you know. In fact, we sometimes we just choose to not to think about it. It's like, hey, I follow God here. I can deal with this. I, I'll go with you on this. But you know what? I don't want to go there. In fact, I don't even want to think about it. If I think about it, God may go there. That one thing that absolutely cannot happen, I cannot do, right? Our faith has impurities in it because our faith ought to extend through all of our lives, through the whole thing. And so your faith is a work in process. Even He talks about even this tested by fire, purified by fire. Well, what I noticed from this process is that there's a lot of fire. (laughs) There's a lot of heat, isn't there? A lot of heat, a lot of fire to get the gold pure. Well, in our lives, our faith, there's going to be a lot of heat and a lot of fire. Troubles, trials, suffering to get our faith purer and purer and purer, Uh, which is very, very important in our whole process of becoming the believers God wants us to be. God wants these impurities removed, see? He talks about he's taking us to to praise and honor and glory with our faith. So, the next thing about our faith with respect to suffering is this then. Your faith can be purified, strengthened, and deepened as you go through trials. Purified. Purified deepened, strengthened. And and I would say to you, that's what I've experienced in my life It's the truth from the word here. And I I don't want to go into the details of this kind of thing, but the times when things seem so hard and suffering and like, you know, what's the hope here? And are we going to get beyond this? And all that kind of stuff. That deepened my faith. Didn't mean there weren't questions along the way. There were. And I don't have all the answers today, but it, it just deepened the faith and strengthened the faith. So that I find myself now, when things come along, and, and occasionally you hear something, maybe in your own life or other li- people's lives or whatever, you hear something, and I, I don't feel nearly so overwhelmed anymore. You know why? I've already been there with God. And he's shown himself to be faithful. And so it's easier for me to put my faith in him. So let's just stop and think about this. If you purposefully, you can't avoid all suffering. But there are times and places when we find ourselves suffering and there is a way out, but the way out is disobeying God. Right? You know what I'm saying? Does that make sense? I can make a choice. If I disobey God, it's going to get easier. Oh, I don't have to deal with that as much. And this happens in people's marriages all the time. Right? And other ways in life. But, um, finances, right? People make terrible financial decisions trying to, to get out of financial suffering difficulties. But the idea is that's, it's not going to deepen your faith. So here's the thought. You need to cooperate with God in this process. If your faith is going to be purified and deepened and strengthened, if you're going to experience it, you got to cooperate with God in it. Because if you don't, it's like you waste it all. If you're going to suffering, shouldn't you at least benefit from it? I mean, those the statements are does statements when we're not suffering. <laughs> but remember that when you are suffering, that the, always the best decision is to lean into God, and let Him strengthen your faith, let Him grow you through it. Okay, so very very important. So let's go back and talk more about our... Well, let me talk about how do we cooperate with God. We cooperate with God by, you know, like I said, I said leaning into him, but by consciously, purposefully seeking to grow in our faith. Uh, the Bible tells us that faith comes by hearing the word of God. And so when you find yourself suffering... Head to the Word. Let's go back to the Word. And it isn't always, you don't necessarily find something that specifically says for you, but God grows you. He grows your understanding. From the Word, we we begin to understand better about how does God see this? And by the way, the way He sees it's right. How does God see this? How does God feel about this? How does God work in these situations? What do I learn about myself? What do I learn about other people? And all of this strengthens, purifies, and deepens my faith in the middle of suffering, and we'll do the same for you. And, and then the idea is, not only do you just gain this information, you then act on it, right? You, you go with it. Uh, this is what James calls a living faith. It's a faith that we actually live by, okay? All right, so let's go to the fifth truth about suffering. And this just flows out of what we were just talking about. Suffering will pay eternal dividends as your faith is purified, strengthened, and deepened. It will. It will. <laughs> okay, can I say it again? It will. It really, we already kind of talked about this in eternity, what it's going to be like, but look here. Here's where we're headed with this. When we, let God, when we cooperate with God and, and let this suffering change our faith, at the end of verse 7, he says that our faith may be found to praise, honor, and glory at the revelation of Jesus Christ. When Christ is revealed, we go to heaven or when he returns first people, whatever, this idea in the future, it's going to reveal our faith. Like I said, we can look back and see, wow, I see what God's been doing. And he says, here are the three ways that it may be found to praise. And praise means that it's commended by God. God says. You usually think we're praising God, but here God's praising us, our faith. You had commendable faith. I'd like to be commended by God, wouldn't you? And of course, we think that, that what's the well-known, com, com, uh, being commended by God? Well done, good and faithful servant. We want to hear that, okay? By faith and honor. And honor is about being value, valuable, valued by God and others. And then glory. And glory is always what's attached to the Lord. And so if, if we're standing in heaven, and, and how this works in our faith? You know, we're looking at our faith. Maybe everybody else is looking at our faith as God goes through. And he says, this, this, this is commendable. Look how you believed, you know. And, and this was valuable. It made a difference in people's lives. And then the glory part, we go, oh, yeah, that's right. I was able to do that because of you, God. He gets the glory, right? We will see. That it was his working in our lives. And then finally, number six here, suffering. Uh, go ahead and go to that. Suffering will make a difference in your life right now. Make a difference in your, and I don't mean just the suffering part, I mean the, the faith part. It will make a difference in your life right now as you live with a purified, strengthened, and deepened faith. Let's look verse number nine. This whole process, he says, what's the end result? Receiving the end of your faith, the salvation of your souls. Okay? So let's go back and think about what we talked about earlier. We talked about being saved, we got saved, and we are being saved, and we will be saved. And so the end result of faith is not just this in eternity. It is that. And that's, like I said, you know, infinitely greater than whatever suffering we have to go through. That's there. But the idea is this now. As my faith is purified and my faith is strengthened, my faith is deepened, it changes me. It changes me on the inside. It changes my soul, right? So, So that my soul is being saved. And so I begin to benefit from it now. That's good, isn't it? It's not just pie in the sky someday, maybe. No, I am being changed by this now. And yes, it's going to continue right on into eternity. So suffering, bad news, good news. (laughs) It is an unwanted thing in our lives. But what we want to do as Christians is start to say, yes, it's unwanted, but it is also a blessing from God. Because he will use it. He will use it in my life to transform me for him. And, and let me say, I think that what you have to settle at some point, I don't think this, I know this, what you have to settle at some point is what your life is about. Because if your life is about you and doing what you want to do and you, try, you think you've added God to help you out with what you want and with what you want to do, all this I'm talking about today just doesn't work. But when you say, wait a minute, my life is about the Lord Jesus Christ. What do you want me to do with it, Lord? How do you want me, you know, what do you want me to accomplish in my marriage? What do you want to accomplish with my children? What do you want to accomplish in my career? What do you want me to do with my life? Right? all, All along. Then, all of a sudden, this suffering takes on new meaning. Because my life is about serving the Lord. And if he is letting me go through suffering, this is going to help me do that. And what good news that is, if that's what your life is about, right? It's so important that we start there. All right, so today we talked about suffering as a Christian. Next Sunday we will talk about suffering because you're a Christian. Okay? We kind of got to settle this first one, idea first. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, thank you for your word and uh, what it tells us. Thank you, Father, for suffering even though we don't desire it. It's unpleasant, painful. Thank you that you don't, you don't bring that into our lives or let it come into our lives without a plan to use it. That you never waste our suffering when we cooperate with you. Thank you for that, Father. So help us to remember that as we're coming out of suffering or we're going into suffering or we're in the middle of suffering, just to keep, Lord, looking to you, keep leaning into you, that you might purify deepen and strengthen our faith so we can bring praise to you and honor and glory. And Lord, I pray you challenge us today about what our lives are really about, whether they're really about you or whether there's still a lot about us and what we want. Help us to settle that issue, Lord, by surrendering completely to you. I pray it in Jesus' name. Amen.